welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 75 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. I am a weight loss coach for physicians, as well as a practicing family physician and obesity medicine physician. My passion is helping physicians go from feeling out of control and frustrated with their weight and their eating to getting to a point where they have confidence about their ability to manage their weight and manage their eating all while doing it with a sense of compassion and ease. So this isn't about the struggle. This is about giving up the struggle, taking the simple way, and finding lasting solutions that are sustainable. If that sounds good to you, make sure you head on over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab. That will let you book a one-on-one session with me where we can talk about what you're struggling with and what I could best help you with. One-on-one coaching is the most efficient way to truly dig down and figure out the root of the issues that you're having with weight or with eating. Things like emotional eating, binge eating are challenging situations to manage on your own and having that objective second person like myself to help walk you through the path and figure out what's truly going on is your best use of your time to get it under control. So weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca and click on the work with me tab. Now this week, I'm really excited to have my friend and fellow physician coach, Dr. Sarah Smith on with me. Sarah goes by the charting coach and her website is thechartingcoach.com. And Sarah's passion is helping family physicians in particular leave the work at home. So walk away from your office with all your notes done, all your paperwork done. So when you get home, you get home on time and work is done. Imagine that. Now, if you struggle with this, it may be hard to believe that that's possible, but Sarah is living proof that it is. This episode, an interview with her, I think she gives some really good tips about how to get started and how to figure out for yourself, what are going to be your tools to start getting in control of your workload. And I think this really relates to weight because one of the most common stressors and the most common chronic stressors that I see uh, with my clients that I coach is this never being finished the work and always carrying more work with you and never being able to fully relax when we are off, like in the evenings or on weekends. And that's a big stressor that then can lead to overeating. So if you struggle with this and you struggle with your weight, I think this is going to be a really important episode for you to listen to. All right, let's get to the interview. All right. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am so excited to be here, Siobhan. And now this is a topic that I've been thinking about doing for quite some time uh, because I think the concept of how do we manage ourselves through our office day so that we actually get our work done when the work is being done instead of always feeling like we have work we're carrying forward and we're dragging with us through the week is 
such an important topic. And from a weight standpoint, I think it's a, a real um, driver for eating in the evening because if you get home and you feel like you worked really hard all day and you didn't, couldn't get everything done and you know you're facing spending your evening working, it's a lot easier to kind of soften that blow with some food. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so very, very typical. Yes. Totally. I think, <laughs> why don't we start with uh, you telling a little bit of your background and kind of how you came to be interested in this area of uh, coaching physicians? So, so I am a family physician and I still work as a family physician. So I'm a rural family doc in Alberta, Canada, and originally from Australia. Um, I was 15 years family doctoring and realizing I had a problem with efficiency and getting my charting done. So my husband would ask me daily what time I would be home and then text me at 6.30 wondering why I wasn't home. And then there was the evenings of I should go do my charts and or being in bed and thinking, well, I'm not asleep anyway. I should just get up and do those charts. And work was never done. That constant energy, you're sitting on the couch relaxing and you've constantly got that thought in your head, I should just go get that done. I still got work to do. I can work 24 hours straight and still not have it all done. And mm -hmm. it's oppressive. Absolutely. That mental load is oppressive and you never feel like you come out from under it. Interestingly. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, interestingly, like essentially I had the exact same experience, which is what prompted me to reach out to my very first life coach because I felt I was drowning in my job as a family physician that I would you know, I, that my kids were all really little at that time. And I would go to work, I would be behind my entire day, I would come home, and I, there was always work to do. And so I'd spend my weekends going, okay, I should do that work. And, you know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Sometimes it was like Sunday night that I was finishing up the week before. Uh, and yeah, it's yeah. exhausting. Mm -hmm. and we've, it is exhausting. We've all had those weekends when there's just four forms to do and they take you all weekend and you feel like you cannot have a, a break or any time to yourself until you get that done you just procrastinate your way through the whole weekend to get four forms done yeah does it like you're drowning in paperwork absolutely so how did you start to fix it for yourself so I also started working with a life coach um, who told me I could that she could fix any problem so I'm like, I've got a doozy of a problem. <laughs> so it was through that um, work of trying to figure out why wasn't I getting the future that I wanted, which was getting home with my charting done. Why couldn't I have a day that I was in full control of? Why couldn't I tell my husband what time I would be home? Working out what I wanted and then stepping forward into each obstacle and figuring out solutions until I got exactly what I wanted. Hmm. And how and long ago was that for you? <laughs> that was three years ago. And, and your solutions have been lasting where you've been able to maintain or at least problem solve the new things that might come up. 
oh, as you know, right now we have daily changes <laughs> and daily obstacles. And the work is so valuable because once you've applied it in one area of your life, you understand the how to get what you want, the how to face an obstacle, figure out your solution and step towards it. Having the self-confidence that you can fail and fail and fail and it doesn't matter until you get exactly what you want. And mm -hmm. that work, you can then apply. So when COVID comes up and you're suddenly working from home and you're trying to figure out phone consultations and you're spinning in overwhelm there as well because you think, I should know how to do this you've never done it before. Why should you know how to do this? Yes, you've made phone calls to patients before, but you've never worked from home. And having that self-confidence that I'm going to figure this out and I do not have to be perfect on day one. So valuable. Those self-confidence tools that I can work towards a goal and fail and it means nothing about me. That's huge in everything, right? Like I talk a lot about that in the weight stuff on the podcast in that, you know, you know, if it's not going the way you want, nothing's going wrong. It's just, you're still figuring it out. And, exactly. and I see that a lot, like with colleagues and stuff with regards to the work is I think it's really easy as physicians to feel like this is the only way we could do it. And also to feel like, it has to be this overwhelming. Like being a physician has to mean that you do have work in the evenings and you do do work on the weekends. But that's not necessarily the case when you start to think a little bit more outside of the box. Absolutely. So it's at expectation perhaps, or you've never thought about it, that charting at night is something we should be doing. No, why would you want to chart at night? It feels terrible to have work left over from the rest of the day. And it's this huge mental load. Your recall of what happened in that consultation is you're losing that fine detail with every moment that you leave that note. And it's another reason that you want to beat yourself up. I should have finished the note. I should have this under control. I should know how to do this. But no one taught you how to do that. And over time, you've left it till later, that constant little thought, I'll do this later. I can do that later. I can do that later. And it does. It gets left till later. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's that thought process that ends up with the result that we have, which is unfinished charts. I think your point that nobody's taught us this is really, really important because we get taught how to see patients. Mm -hmm. We get taught, you know, how to diagnose things, how to do exams. But it is true that probably the majority of us, unless we are lucky to have a particular preceptor or something, did mm -hmm. not get taught about how to stay on time and how to be efficient. That's right. I asked every preceptor. I watched every preceptor, even up three, four years ago, as I was trying to figure this out, I went to my oldest colleagues and I asked them their wisdom. How do you do this? How do you get on top of your paperwork? How do you figure this out? And they would give me advice like, you work from home, you come in on weekends. And that was not what I was looking for. I did not want to do it on weekends. I wanted my weekends to myself. I wanted my evenings to myself. And I wasn't happy to stay here if I couldn't get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. which is not chatting, going home with no homework. Which sounds fantastic. And I have to say, me personally, there are times I achieve this. 
And then there are times where I don't. And so I flux <laughs> would be the thing uh, that I would call it. So, you know, there's times where I like really focus down and I get really efficient. Mm -hmm. And then there's other times where I get like lulled into not getting the work done. And mm -hmm. I think that's it. Things I've noticed for myself can be either, you know, there's thoughts about how busy I am and how much I have to do, which makes me become less efficient. Yes. Or the flip side, if I'm like, oh, this is like, I'm so lightly booked. Like there's, this is a really easy day. It's going to be no problem. I get lulled into spending more time in my visits, chatting more, mm -hmm. and again, not getting the work done. That's right. Isn't it fascinating how we can work from home, be 80% less busy and still have charting at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So that is a common experience for family doctors. And it's another reason you're beating yourself up in the evening. You're like, how can I still have this scene ever? And I'm working from home. And still, again, being critical of yourself. Yeah. And I, you know, what I've noticed for myself, the critical piece about working from home is I have this idea that I have a lot of time now that I'm home. Like I've, there's, I remember when it started, I was like, oh, fantastic. Well, not fantastic. Right. But the being home thing sounded nice because I don't get to be home very much. And I say, well, you know, there's so many things I'm going to get a chance to do. And then what I find is that's not actual reality when you're home with three children who, you know, the few little breaks you take between patients, you have to go like yet again, clean the cereal from the kitchen or put the milk back in the fridge for the 10th time in the day. Uh, things like that, you know, it, it's actually less time and I've had to be working on my thoughts around what's actually feasible when I work from home mm -hmm. and that it's actually still work. It's just work in a different spot. Yeah. So I've been the last two years been teaching family doctors how to not take work home. And now we're intentionally having work in the home and taking that new obstacle and challenge of that space and turning it into success for them. So we really try and diagnose what's happening in your day and be very clear about your priorities. So we want to first identify what are your priorities, because if you really do have less hours of work, if you can make this work for you. So we talk about, you know, family doctors haven't been exercising often for years, but they really want to. Well, here's a perfect opportunity. If this is your priority, let's put it on the calendar first. When exactly do you want to do that exercise? What works best for you and the kids? If you want to exercise, what time of the day do you need to put that in? that it works for you what time do you need to get out of bed to achieve that and we work from there so we really diagnose that whole day when are the kids busy when are they resting when do they need to eat what meals are you going to be preparing what is the commitment for work and is it set up correctly mm -hmm. so some clinics are doing patients booked into time slots and others are doing patients booked into mornings and afternoons. And mm -hmm. it has a different flavor for the doctor turning up. Because if there's a 15 minute slot, what makes it mean that you're going to spend 15 minutes with the patient? It's your thought, this is a 15 minute appointment. Mm. And so we expand to take up that whole space. Absolutely. How our appointments go as long as appointments go for. 
Yeah. Not really thinking about why. So what's your advice with that? Um, Cause that's definitely an area where I sometimes struggle or I think it can even go beyond that where like, you know, I have a 10 minute slot, but then I'm like, oh, this, I have no choice but to go over with this particular complaint, right? Like depression would be a common one um, or, you know, more complex elderly patients, things like that, where it feels like you, you don't have a choice but to spend more than 10 minutes. Yeah. So it's important to start to be aware of where are my minutes going in a consultation? Am I being efficient with the time? Am I leading the session? Mm -hmm. So when you have a patient and they bring up an important medical condition, you triage it just like you triage any problem. So you may have just spent 10 minutes talking to them about the condition that they brought in, but as the door goes on the handle, there's a, but wait, I have, and you'll get one of two things. I have a shoulder that's been sore for six months, or I've got new rectal bleeding that I was too embarrassed to tell you about. Okay. So you get to triage what is important and you make a decision ahead of time. I'm going to decide that this is important and I'm staying here and I'm doing this right now. Mm -hmm. Or this can be rebooked for later because it's about the value that you bring to that patient encounter. You cannot do that shoulder pain in 20 seconds and bring good value. Your assessment, your clinical reasoning, your, your assessment of the, the physical exam, the education of the patient and the referral piece. You may or may not need to refer that patient to go get their shoulder looked after. So that is what gives you permission to tell the patient why you need to reschedule that shoulder piece of this consultation. I need the time to spend with you to fully examine that condition that you've just presented. I would love to spend time with you organizing your shoulder pain. Let's rebook that so that we can do that well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good way of thinking about it that, you know, we limit the number of things we're covering in the visit because of the value for the patient versus it, it can be easy to flip into the like, oh, you know, why are they bringing up yet another thing, right? Like where it's more about <laughs> yes. has, the victim the mentality. Yes. And you know you've lost your power in the room when you start getting frustrated with the patient and you know that you've taken on that victim mentality because the first thing you want to do when that consultation ends is you want to walk down the corridor and say to your colleague, you'll never guess what Mr. So-and-so did today. He brought 10 problems in today. Yeah. And you know you've given away your power. You know that you've had that thought, he shouldn't be doing this to me. Or whatever it is that's brought in that frustration piece and giving you that self-pity again. Mm -hmm. But when you are the uh, owner of the consultation, when you are leading that consultation, then you get to be able to help your patient understand why you're doing what you're doing in the room. Okay. That's good. What do you, what are your recommendations? One thing I find is my brain gets very focused on like kind of the list, like, you know, who I have to get through and stuff. But what my brain does not do very well is track the time. Like it starts to feel like time is this like nebulous, slippery thing in the, in the course of a day. How, how do you recommend your clients stay focused on the time so that they can stay in control of that consult 
and finish with enough time to do the note. Yeah, it's that level of awareness you bring in the consultations. So if your thought is that you want to stay on time and then you start to feel confident about that, you will work out what is the best action for you to stay on time. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if you say, I don't care if I run on time or not, you won't take care of the time in the room. When you are aware of the time in the room, then you're going to work out the best strategy for you. So some doctors will have clocks on the wall, some have timers, some use their computer, some have a watch. But it's that first step is the level of awareness when you're in the room with the patient is I have a duty to do to this patient and I have a duty to do to my schedule. Mm -hmm. And then trying to match what is happening in the consultation and your responsibilities for the day. Right. The first step, awareness. I'm going to be curious about where do my minutes go? Why don't I know what time it is? And asking your brain powerful questions when you're in a clinic setting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So somebody's working on kind of getting power back in the actual visit to be the one in control of the visit time and triaging extra problems. What would be the next place that you suggest people look and work? So the important piece is getting your consultation note done. Mm -hmm. So what are the obstacles for you getting that note done? Because it starts from the very beginning of the day. Are you starting on time? If not, why not? What's happening in the room with the patient? Why aren't you charting in the room? What are your thoughts around charting in the room? Where are your minutes going? What interrupts you? What makes you leave the room? All of those pieces of the consultation. And then what is stopping you finishing your chart note before you go to the next patient? They are super important things to start to be curious about in your day. Hmm. I, am, I know for me, uh, what mine is, is that brain thought of like that other person is waiting and I have to just keep going. And it's mm -hmm. like a recurrent brain pattern that keeps coming back and I keep trying to rein it back in. But and it happens on kind of my more vulnerable days, I would say, like the days where I'm kind of stressed about other stuff or feeling, you know, I don't have enough time or those types of thoughts. Then I get even more like, I can't stop to do a note. I got to keep going. And it's a really powerful brain loop that I get into. Like, yeah, making it, myself stop feels really, really difficult to do in the moment. That's right. Really super uncomfortable. So yeah. our brains, our brains like pleasure. It's actually pleasurable to be in front of a patient most of the time. We actually get decent feedback from the patient. It kind of boosts the ego a little bit. So it's pleasurable to be in a consultation. Our brain hates pain. It hates having to do tasks that it doesn't like doing, like charting. Okay. And it also doesn't like make, making people wait. Because for some reason that has something to do with how they might like you or not like you, which is just their thoughts. It's nothing to do with you. And your brain likes to be efficient. And for the last how many years of practice, you've always said, I can't do it now. There's someone waiting. 
fascinating that we've practiced that thought so many times that it's become a belief about ourselves we can't leave people waiting mm-hmm. if you're 20 minutes behind and now you want them to now you want them to wait two minutes while you finish that chart note because somehow that magically changes things for the patient in the room yeah well i'll tell you a secret it really does magically change things for the patient in the room so have a think about the patient in the room for a minute and you walk in there with eight unfinished charts in your head versus walking in the room with all your charting done what does that feel like absolutely like you're far you'd be far more focused and relaxed and when you go in the room instead of your brain kind of trying to still think and retain what you have to document later right it's amazing and suddenly walking into that room feels fantastic the mental load is gone and you are 100 percent available for that patient nice Cost, two minutes and a practice thought i'm going to get this note done mm-hmm. as simple as that hey you mentioned charting in the room what things do you chart while you're seeing the patient that is totally up to you. So if you have that uh, commitment that you're going to get your charting done in the room with the patient, if you have that commitment, then you are going to figure it out. You're going to be curious about what can I get done in the room? Can I finish the note in the room? Is it possible? And get to be very curious about why do I think it's not possible? What is holding me up from doing this? So all those powerful questions about why and what is happening in the room and why and what can I do and can I do in this room with this EMR right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is really interesting. For me, I have like thoughts that I shouldn't be like sitting and typing while the patient's in front of me. Which is interesting, right? Because those are my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just a thought. So why? Why don't you think that it's a good thing to chat in front, in front of the patient? I think, um, why is it? I think I have thoughts that it kind of breaks some of the like uh, interaction and the rapport that you're building, um, that sometimes you can be perceived as being more focused on the computer than you are on them. But when I say that, I know logically, if I just say, you know what, I'm just going to make a couple notes while you talk, most people would be fine with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our value in the room, it's fascinating. The value that we give patients is nothing to do with whether we're charting in the room or not. Mm -hmm. So what is our value? Our value is our relationship with our patient. It's our assessment of the condition it's the education of the patient it's that expert opinion that you're bringing and it's advocacy whether that be this is the treatment i recommend this is who i'm going to send you to that is your value in the room they're the pieces that make up that value in the room and the charting what is that doing It's setting up all of the things for the patient. Mm -hmm. 
it's really nothing to do with the value that you're giving. In fact, it's probably bringing more value because you're getting it all done for them or with them. Yeah. So they never question, you know, when is that referral letter actually getting sent to the specialist or. Which is a question that you're asking yourself. I wonder when I'll get that referral letter done. Yeah. Right. Or, or you're thinking, oh, do I have to refer them? Cause I don't want to have another letter to do. <laughs> I don't want another letter to do later. Maybe I shouldn't refer them yet. Maybe we should just wait another six months. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that is your value in the room. And that is the, the, you know, the typing in the room piece and not everybody types in the room. Some people come out and dictate. So everybody's different, which is why we don't prescribe what to do. We prescribe why are you doing what you're doing? And is that serving you? Mm -hmm. And what could I do differently? And what do I actually want? If you want to get that chart note done after every patient, no matter what, you're going to have to figure out all the obstacles that are stopping you getting it done. Right. And what I know um, just from previous conversations, like you use templates and things like that in your EMR quite a bit to speed up that process. Mm -hmm. What other tips, um, or if you want to elaborate on the templates that you use, do you have for minimizing how much time investment we put into that note? Because I think that's an area other people struggle with too, right? Is sometimes the notes themselves take almost as long as the actual visit. Okay, but what the, the important things to ask yourself is what is important in the note? What is the essence of the note that I need to capture? Because if you're allowing yourself to do it tonight in the evening, there's no time limit. You don't have someone waiting for you. You could take half an hour to finish that note. It might be a very comprehensive note, but it's taken you half an hour. So you've just reduced your income. You're now under earning because you don't have the patient in front of you and you're bleeding that patient time into 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however long it's taking you to get that whole encounter and chart note done. So what is in the chart note is your personal opinion about what should be in a chart note, the medical legal requirements and the things that you love to capture about your patient encounters. You will have those things that you love to to capture like the son's living with this mom so you know who's in the house with her you might like to capture that type of information and we don't want to lose your peace within this but that length of the consultation note you have to ask yourself what is that for who is that serving why am i using that a lot of people use templates but it actually takes them longer when they're using a template because they're constantly editing it well, that's not serving you either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I see that, that um, sometimes the things that we think will make us more efficient actually trip us up in our mm -hmm. you know, perfectionism or maybe the things aren't quite refined to us personally in the way they should be so that they can be as efficient, like a template. Ideally, you would minimally need to edit it, right? Mm -hmm. um, if yeah. you're using it. Yeah. So it is nice while we've got this slight reduction in patient load for a lot of us to actually give yourself some space in the day where you think about your business and 
about how you do business rather than just being constantly busy in your business of seeing patients. Start mm -hmm. looking at your templates and which ones do I like and which ones don't I use and why and how could I make them better? Those are great questions to ask yourself. How could I make my visits faster? What takes me time in the room? Because you will find all of the things that stop you running on time if you start to be curious about your consultations. Mm -hmm. What would be common things that you see that stop people from running on time? Like, are there themes that you come across? Uh, that's a great question. Often it's pleasing, people pleasing in the room. So thinking that they need to spend half an hour explaining something to someone so that they understand it or not considering what they're putting in the chart note or being distracted by things between patients. There are so many things that contribute to not running on time. Uh, not starting on time is a big one, whether that be morning or afternoon. Just being miserable will cost you time in your office because you're going to be looking for buffering. Facebook, cup of coffee, chat with colleague, all happens if you're not paying attention to how you're feeling through the day. So one exercise I like to do is your top three feelings. Just figure out what are the top three feelings that you're feeling in your clinic day right now and why? What is happening that's bringing on those feelings? And it's not the circumstances, it's always our thoughts about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so then the next step of that would be kind of decide, because if, if that feeling is frustration or overwhelm, like you said, generally that's going to make you less efficient, less efficient. And then that mm -hmm. unfinished work continues to pile up. Yeah. So dread, then, dread is a common one. And mm -hmm. when you feel dread about work, you don't even want to go to work. So of course you're going to start late. We have to find out what are you dreading about work? Is it that you are constantly beating yourself up because you've constantly got work left to be done? And that's just creating this suffering loop for you. So it's important to recognize what, are I, what am I feeling? What is happening that's creating this result for me? Mm -hmm. I think that's like a really good point. And on when I am doing well from a work efficiency standpoint, it's when I go into work with a specific thought that makes me feel empowered mm -hmm. and focused. And then I can that's right. stay on time. But yeah, you're right that it's the, when I go in feeling like I'm tired and I kind of wish I, to, you know, had a day off. Those are mm -hmm. the worst days. That's right. Yeah. Self-pity is wonderful, isn't it? It just adds suffering to every negative thing that happens in the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So what other areas do you help uh, people focus on? Yeah. So we, in um, my program, we do charting, we do the consultation, uh, inboxes and results. We want to make sure we're organizing all of those um, interruptions in your day, the things that are taking your focus away from your clinical time and anything else you're trying to achieve for your day uh, forms because we love forms. 
we have to have to spend time looking at forms um, and then intentional homework because when we are finished for the day there's typically things that we are still doing in the evening it could be cme it could be your tax paperwork or bills to be paid or managing a household so we want to be starting to look into those areas as well so we want to just have a full 360 of your business and have a good nitpick through it to find all the obstacles that are stopping you getting what you want because really truly it is possible to get home with your charting done and your results done and everything being managed well within your clinical space it does take time to set it up and it does take time to examine and be curious and bring awareness to all the things that are happening in your day yeah so it's a good investment in time to reap a lot of rewards afterwards so some upfront investment. Absolutely. Yeah. What the interruptions, I think, is a very common one. And I think that's true in kind of any area of medicine, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where there's so many different things that are vying for our attention. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what are your approaches for that to minimize or control the interruptions? So interruptions are fascinating because sometimes they're made by ourselves and other times they're coming at you from other people. So step one is again, that awareness piece of where are my interruptions and what are my interruptions? And even documenting your interruptions as they happen during the day can be a fascinating way to find out where your minutes go in a day. So actually taking a piece of paper and writing down interruptions as they happen. It's Mm. fascinating because then you're like, huh, Well, no wonder I'm half an hour behind. There's half an hour worth of interruptions. And when are you doing your inbox? Why are you doing it in clinical time? What are you trying to achieve when you're in there? Why, when you come back to your desk to do your charting, is there sticky notes all over it? Who's putting them there and why? Mm -hmm. I really dislike sticky notes on my desk. (laughs) You love sticky notes too. (laughs) It, It makes my back go up like and contributes to dread right you don't want to go back to that office because you know what you're going to see there and each time you have an interruption your brain has to stop and think it has to stop and think where am i what am i doing is that a simple one word answer or do i have to open a chart and figure it out if i do this now what is the consequence of my day So you can see immediately how every interruption is contributing to your decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. Decision fatigue, we make hundreds of decisions daily. So why would you add five more decisions to each question? Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful work to sort out and manage your interruptions. Yeah. And so do you then just like set up a time for your uh, MOA to, um, uh, to sit down with you at certain points in the day and go through their list of questions instead of the sticky notes or? So asking powerful questions of your brain to figure it out because everybody has a different style of practice. Some are practice owners, some are just workers. I shouldn't say just workers. Some are workers working very hard. Um, Others are working in clinical settings, different clinical settings. Some are going off and doing surgery. So there's no right answer for everybody. 
but it's first identifying what are my interruptions? What is the best way to manage these interruptions? What is the best time of my day for this type of interruption? Because some interruptions you're better first thing in the morning. Others, you try and ring a home care nurse at four o'clock. Of course, they've gone home already. So that is not the right time of day to do that phone call. So it's being curious about what are my interruptions and when do I want to look after them? And that is part of that work of thinking about how you do business, not just being in your business, being badgered by it every day, day in, day out. It's taking that time away from your business to think about your day and what do you, what would you like it to look like and how would you set it up? differently if you could and what is the most simple solution for this problem Mm -hmm. I think that's really good advice Uh, any other last minute tips that you want to leave us with or thoughts so when you're doing your phone consultations just know that you have very well practiced ears as well as very well practiced eyes so we're very used to looking at a patient and doing a full evaluation of them with our eyes and now you're just taking that and using your ears instead so when you're talking to your patient you can evaluate their level of alertness competency how well they're breathing, are they speaking in sentences? You have very well-trained ears. So there is the capacity to take the patient that you know and help them through the telemedicine piece and know that you have still got your good clinical skills in that space. So it feels very different than having a patient in front of you and brings a lot of uncertainty if you don't remember that, you are still the expert. You can still bring value to that patient, even without being able to see them in this climate. It's not how we would like, ideally like to do medicine forever, but it's possible for now. Yeah, that's really good advice. Now, where can people find you if they want more help or to learn more? Absolutely. So you can go to Coach dot ca charting just like we do every day for patients so chartingcoach.ca excellent well thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me Sarah I really appreciate it I think this is a a really important topic for almost every physician I think everybody can get a little bit better at being efficient Um, so I think it'll be really useful wonderful All, all the best to your listeners thanks So jam-packed with lots of really good information and probably some stuff that you haven't really thought of. It's really easy for us to be in a bit of victim mentality in our offices and in our work environments where we feel like we have no choice but to do the things the way we've always done them. And I think that's what I really like about Sarah's approach is it's all about you actually taking power back and deciding how you want to do things and how it's going to best work for you within whatever other limitations you have. Um, and so I really encourage you to do some of the thought exercises and the problem solving that she suggests. And I know I have been uh, this past uh, few days since I recorded the interview, just spending more time thinking about, okay, what would work better? How would I be more efficient? How would I stay more aware of time while I'm in my actual exam room or on a virtual call with people? And um and keep working on it and keep improving it. And I think, you know, there's so many mirrors of 
this stuff with weight in that that's the same approach we use for weight, right? Weight and eating. It's all about thinking, okay, how could I do this better? That didn't go quite the way I want. How could I change it next time? And that, that concept of just continually figuring it out, I think is a really good approach to apply to your office efficiency and your work efficiency. Send me your thoughts. I'd love to hear what you think about this and how you're applying these to your office. If you have some tips that have worked really well for you, uh, send them to me. The email is info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with somebody else that might benefit from it. That's the way podcasts get out there. And it, make sure you get all the episodes that I release, including the bonus episodes I've been doing lately, by hitting the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening to. All right. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.